0: Welcome to C3 Church Tugger. You're about to hear a great message from one of our guest speakers. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. So great to be here as a church community and I just applaud you for being here this morning with us. And And I think in, um, in times like this that there's Never a time where it's more pertinent to come around the Word and encourage ourselves in the Word and enrich ourselves and hear what God says about the truth and not what the media and the world says, but what God says about these times. And um, and so I just want to honour Pastor Garth and Pastor Phil who have brought us through the first two um, parts of this series. Um, We've looked at Matthew, we've looked at Mark and, um, you know, we've heard from the apostle, we've heard from the teacher. Um, So we honour you with your... um, who last week wasn't it just incredible I just felt like I walked away so enriched and empowered and when you hear from a true teacher you just it you can understand it so clearly Um, and you just feel like it just goes in and it's like a two-edged sword so thank you Garth I know that when you have a gift to you it seems easy and it seems natural but the truth is that you have an incredible teaching gift and the, and what goes in us has stayed in us. And I feel like I've meditated on his word this week and just meditated on the words that you've spoken. So we just really honour you and thank you for being here at the moment. Um, so another person I want to honour is Josh Edwards. Um, if you could just stand for one minute. Um not many people know, but I actually prepared a message on Mark and not Luke. And Josh Cairns came through with the uh, Josh Edwards, sorry, came through with the goods for me. Um, I just want to honour you, Josh, because um, we've got a we've got a well seasoned teacher in the house here, but we also have a teacher in the training right here. And um, and when Josh presented to me these notes that he has written on on Luke, that he's been teaching the youth, and and as many of you would know, that he's become too I see to reach and he's training and equipping our youth. So thank you for that. I know that you're an absolute strength to Rachel. But as I was reading these notes that you had written on Luke, I was like, oh my goodness, we are in the midst of a, you know, a new generation of teacher. And so I want to encourage you and just say that I'm excited. Like I'm reading these notes going... <laughs> I don't even know what you can add to that. You know what I mean? Like they're just so polished and ready to just be absorbed. And I know that when I messaged you back and said, I can see these notes being put into books and into um, into leadership and into, into textbooks that will go out. And I know that it was a confirmation to you from words that have been spoken on you. So we as a church, as your church family, we're encouraged and we're excited about what God's going to do in your life. And if I can say anything, it would be just, just get into that Word and just write it. Don't doesn't matter about your age or anything, just write it because I believe that God has got all everything that you need right now is in there. And so you just need to get it out onto paper and, and we're excited. So thank you, Josh. This, this message is proudly brought to you by Josh Edwards. Um, <laughs> so thank you. We're going to come around the Word and look at the book of Luke. Um, and and the theme this morning is Jesus in His humanity, and um and and like I said, preparation, preparation. When we're in times of, I can't help but but weave this in because we have to be true to where what's going on in the world and what's happening around us. We can't just sort of ignore it and say, but this is my theme, and I'm just going to stay over here. Um, as you know, the beginning of the year, like we've been through fires, floods, and now viruses. And as you know, Andrew and I um, went through our own, um, you know, torment at the beginning of the year and being caught in the fires. And can I just say that what helped us get through that was our feet being firmly planted in the Word of God. And I'm, I'm telling you from a mother's perspective that, As I was um, speaking with Jess this week, I had a a new understanding of my whole life being an elder sister and now being a mother of four. I don't know if this happens to anyone else, but this over-responsibility and my whole life I've been tormented with dreams of something is going to happen to someone in my care. You know, so I used to have dreams of the girls, something happening to the girls, and now I always, you know, and I don't know about anyone else, but I drive along Wang River and I'm thinking, okay, so if something happens, I wind up the windows and then I get my headrest out and then I smash it. And then we also, right? I don't know if this happens to anyone else, but this is just what goes through my head. Now, at the beginning of the year, um, you know seven children in my responsibility and running from fires, my anxiety levels should have been up there. My panic levels should have been up there from all the dreams that have tormented me throughout my whole life. I should have been in panic mode but instead all that was with me was peace and it's such a surreal thing but I want to encourage you that the word of God is stronger than anything and he prepares us and he trains us and every little battle that we have fought in the secret place, in the quiet place, every tiny little thing that he's brought us through prepares us for what we're going to go through because he knows what is before us. And so the word of God must come out and the preparations must come out. And so you asked Joey in the boat, I didn't care who was on the boat. The word of God came out of me and I started saying to my children, what have I spoken to you about in Daniel, about Radshak, Mishak, and Abednego? Who was in the fire with them? Jesus was in the fire with them. Jesus is on this boat. I see him. He's with us. And so that's what kept us strong for three hours, just wrapped up in his word. And so I only say that to encourage you because it doesn't matter what comes next. God knows what's coming next, but we must equip ourselves in the word. So when that time comes, we don't go quickly find a scripture for something that might help us, but it just pours out of us because we've prepared ourselves and we know his word and we know that what he's equipped us with. So we're going to look at Luke. Luke... (laughs) Is the author of Luke, and Luke is a doctor. (laughs) Um, Luke is a doctor. And Luke is a co-traveller, he's um, travelling around with the Apostle Paul, and um, and so he knows that there's many accounts that have already been written about Jesus' ministry, but he sees it from a different perspective, and so we're looking at Jesus in his humanity. And so what he does is he, he goes around and he, he sources and he talks to all the disciples and he basically pulls together different accounts of what they saw from Jesus' life, Jesus' ministry history and so he writes what he calls the orderly account about the things that have been fulfilled among us. The story of Jesus is not just ancient history but it's a story of how Jesus fulfills the story of God and Israel and the whole world. Obviously there is a lot going on in Luke and I can't go over all of it but I'm just going to give you like a quick little snapshot Luke emphasises Jesus' ancestry, his birth and his early life before moving carefully and chronologically through his earthly ministry. Growing belief and growing opposition develop side by side. Those who believe are challenged to count the cost of discipleship. And those who oppose will not be satisfied until the Son of Man hangs lifeless on a cross but the resurrection ensures that his purpose will be fulfilled in 1910 it says to seek and to save that which was lost and this is the heart of Christ this is the heart his heart is that he would lower himself to become one of us and not just one of us but he didn't become the president's son he didn't become in the he didn't didn't bring himself into the royal family but he brought himself into a carpenter's family and you know like he he was not intimidated he was not put off by what we thought or how we judged him or how we perceived he would come onto the earth but he he just came against everything else to bring about a new Israel. So let's look at five markers, and I've made a little, um, a little slide up here. We're going to look at five markers in the gospel. And so we've got prophecy fulfilled, Jesus' ministry, the prodigal son, road to Emmaus, and God's plan for mankind. Let's just look at prophecy fulfilled. The gospel of Luke compiles eyewitness accounts that prove Jesus's, Jesus fulfills Old Testament covenant between God and Israel and creates a new Israel for all mankind. Jesus' ministry. Jesus ministers to the poor, outcasts, social outsiders, and others as he brings restoration and reversal to people's life circumstances and expands God's covenant to include everyone. And then we look at the prodigal son. Jesus uses parables like the prodigal son to teach his followers about the new upside-down kingdom. That honours humility and welcomes everyone who repents. And we heard that incredible message last week on servanthood. And let's look at four, the road to Emmaus. Jesus reveals to two followers at Emmaus that disciples will only see him when they turn back to him and submit to his upside-down kingdom that sacrificially love others. And God's plan for mankind, Jesus explains to his disciples that God's plan was always for a suffering servant to conquer evil through his death on the cross and the resurrection and so when you look at the whole book of Luke these are basically five markers five key markers that you will find throughout the book of Luke and what we see from this is that Jesus in his humanity came to earth and the gospel message was given that all men will be seen as the same that it's just this even slate you know because In those days we had slaves, even women and children were seen as lower... You know, we, had, we saw this social outcasting of people. And so we see, you know, these high people, no, you cannot come in. The women must be over here. The men are here. But Jesus came. And when you look at the significance of what he does in his miracles and everything, you see that he is showing us this new Israel. He's showing us this new covenant that it welcomes everyone. It's about everybody his kingdom is for everybody. To us, this just seems like, yeah, sure, women, children, here I am preaching, right? Um, But in those days, it was just mind-blowing what he was bringing forth, this new covenant. So Jesus uses the frailty of humanity and all our weaknesses and shortcomings. Are you just astounded? Are you astounded at the people that God chose to use, who he brought in as his disciples? And we know that using the 12 disciples, it was a representation of the new tribes of Israel. And and we see these people that he picked, and when you look individually at the disciples that he picked, it just wouldn't be who we would pick. Right? He looks so inwardly at the heart. You know, he sees everyone as just welcoming you in, welcoming you in no matter what. And so it's just beautiful. The gospel message is that God is gracious enough to flow through us. He flows through me. He flows through each of us. And he's so gracious and so beautiful. So let's open our Bibles together. In Luke, and and let's have a look at a few key scriptures where we see this beautiful graciousness of Jesus flow through, where we see him him highlight really the weaknesses being turned to strengths, and we see this the way that God uses it. So we're going to look at um, at Luke 4:18 first and I've asked Nathan Cairns to read this out. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set, all, uh, to set at liberty all those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Philip's son. Wow. So today this scripture has been fulfilled with Philip's son. Right? You did so well, guys, so well. <laughs> See Warren later, he'll give you some pointers. When we read scripture, we just skip over it, right? But when we really think of the context, this is what it was like. It was Jesus' turn to do the scripture reading. He chooses Isaiah, which is a complete prophecy of things that are going to unfold for the new covenant. And then he ends it with, as he shuts the scrolls, it says he rolls up the scrolls, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I'm sorry, but what would my reaction have been? I'm scared to know what my reaction would have been. If Nathan Cairns had stood up and said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled, that the spirit of the Lord is upon him because he has anointed Nathan to preach good news to the poor. Hang on, what? That's just, that's just Phil's son. You know, that is what it was like. He lived among them. He was just a carpenter's son. He was no one special. He wasn't learned. He wasn't being prepared for this. And oh, I knew it. I saw that. I could see that he had something special on him. I don't believe that people felt that. But when he spoke that, do you know it says that they marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth? So no matter what, the anointing was with him. People received it. So I do want to add this in, that there's been so many accounts lately of, of um, what would it have been like for Jesus. And we see so many um, videos. And I know there's a new one that I haven't watched yet. Sorry, Mum. But... Um, and I'll get there, I'll get there, the chosen. Um, and, and we see these, you know, the Messiah and it sort of questions, would we have accepted Jesus if it was that this, if, if he, you know, showed, revealed himself in this time, like Nathan's just revealed himself then, would we have accepted him? But I do believe that, that with it, we ha- there's an anointing and, and our hearts would come alive, Right? do you love hearing the kids worshipping? Isn't it great? They're learning to worship. It's great. The significance of this, this scripture is that when he spoke the word freedom, which in my version says liberty, um, it was referring to a year of jubilee. It was referring to slaves being released, debts being cancelled. He was showing that there was this even playing field coming. When he speaks of the good news to the poor, he wasn't speaking necessarily about the poor like we see the poor but he was speaking about people that were on the social outside people of different ethnic groups women children slaves laws had been placed had placed these people outside of acceptable circles and Jesus is highlighting that his kingdom is for everyone and this was just totally mind-blowing you know um his his he, Jesus came to fulfill scripture. He came to abolish the old law and bring in the new covenant. I just love the way that Jesus portrays himself and to be honest, I, you know, read it and I have to really imagine it to understand fully of what it would have been like. God came as a human to relate, talk, walk and converse with us in our culture and time through various ways of human engagement. Would we would we have accepted him? would we have followed him would we have left what we thought was our good jewish ways we had our torah we had our things that we did we didn't eat you know pork we didn't eat meat we 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 did the right things we had our you know practices would we have turned on that and accepted that the messiah had truly come and he had come in a way that we didn't predict you know, like it's just, we need to keep our eyes open, our ears open to what the Spirit is saying. Because sometimes it's not what we think. So when we look at, look at Luke 3.23, he starts with the genealogy. Jesus was known as the son of Joseph. And as we come through the genealogy, we see this beautiful um This beautiful illustration of the people that Jesus had chose to be in his genealogy. And I don't know if anyone's read the book, um, The Lineage of Grace, Francine Rivers. Um, If you haven't read it. Try and get through it without crying, but Francine Rivers has this incredible ability of bringing you into that story and just really unfolding it, and you just you're just there and you just understand. And as she as she does this, as she um, looks at this book, she's looking at four leading ladies that ended up in the lineage of Christ that came from the most peculiar backgrounds that you know were people that like Rahab you know, the only woman in a whole city. He destroys the whole city and she was the only woman. And she wasn't even, like when she came and placed herself, when she was saved and then she came to join the the Israelites, she was basically shunned, you know, like she wasn't like the Israelite women. She was different. But that is who Jesus chose to bring his lineage through. It's a lineage of grace. And what he's teaching us through this golden thread, he's teaching us that his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher, he knows the thoughts, he knows the heart of man and he looks deeper than anybody else looks. So every single person has a story to tell. Now as we look at, um, as Luke and through his accounts, I think this is incredible, but as we look at all the miracles You know, when we start to go through the miracles of Jesus and we start to see the kind of people that he reached out to and there's no coincidence, I believe there's no coincidence as to how Jesus chose the people that he reached out to. When we look at this, we see a man with a skin disease. That speaks to us today, doesn't it? We see a bedridden woman. We see someone who is paralyzed He welcomes in then a tax collector who it says Levi the tax collector was in the act. He was sitting there ripping people off and he says, come and follow me. And this Levi just stands up and follows him. That is an act of faith as well, right? Right you know, for him to respond, for Levi to respond to Jesus, it's an act of faith. And then he forgives a prostitute. Jesus' Jesus's kingdom brings restoration and reversal of all people's life circumstances. This is the new upside down kingdom, which includes everyone. I'm just so encouraged at the moment by the book of Gideon, not the book, the story of Gideon. and um, And I've been teaching my children as well. And and I encourage you, I love having the um, junior youth with us at the moment and the, and the coming into junior youth because you guys, you need to equip yourselves because you, you're coming into days that are, that are heavy, you know, and you need to know the truth. You need to know what the Bible says about things. And so I've been teaching my children about this story of Gideon and as I was teaching them, I'm encouraging myself in the Lord. And, um, and so when we, when we think about the book of the Bible and how he's chosen these certain ones, um, I love the story of Gideon and how it describes it. So as we look at Judges, the, the Bible describes Gideon as a mighty man of valor, yet he was a coward who hid in a wine press when the angel appeared to him in Judges 6.11. He was the youngest kid from the weakest family and, and the weakest tribe, but God made him strong. So let's think of the battle where Gideon, who knows the battle where Gideon had 32,000 people ready to fight? Do we know this one? Yeah. So he had 32,000 people ready to fight. Now, um, there's been a long line, a long line of, of great disappointments of kings. And, and, um, and, and we, so we see that Gideon finally arises Jesus calls God calls him out and he finally arises and he brings this army together and he goes look lord I've 32,000 people ready to fight for you and what does the lord say he looks at this army and he says that's pretty impressive but there's too many of you right so we're always talking about um oh but we need this and we need that we need to be stronger in this and we need to be more equipped and we need to but What the Lord wants to do through you is show his glory. So sometimes we don't need to be the best at what we do because otherwise it would look like, well, that's just, he's just very good. He's had all the training in the world. He's had a really good upbringing. He's got a lot of money. He's very intellectual. You know, but maybe God wants to show himself through you. And when I talk about weakness to strength, I don't want you to be um, confused too. I don't believe that we need to seek out the thing that we're weakest at and then work on that. I believe that it's just a betrayal showing that it doesn't matter what we're weak at. God can still use us, right? We still focus on our strengths, but it doesn't matter where there's weaknesses. God can feel that. And so we come down to a place where he brings it down to 22,000 people. He says, God, we're ready. Let's go. Let's go fight. And he says, no, there's still too many people. And who knows the story? We come down to the water. Some scoop up the water. Some drink it straight out of the, out of the water. And so he divides it up. He ends up down to 300 people. I'm sure that Gideon is thinking this is a disaster. I don't know where to go from here. His life is on the line here. His reputation is on the line. I had 32,000 people. Now I've got 300. We probably would think, "Let's, let's, you know, withdraw, talk it over, work out a new game plan. But Jesus says, no, you are ready. Now you are ready to fight. So then we look at Judges 7 verse 19 and let's see what happened bit of audience participation. And they blew the trumpets and they smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew their trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands the torches and in their right hands the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood up in his place around the camp. And all the Midianite army ran. They cried out and they fled. When they heard the 300 trumpets, the Lord said, every man's sword against his comrade. And against all the army, and the army fled as far as Beth Bethshittah towards Zerorah, as far as the border of Abel Meholaph by Tabath. Isn't that amazing? God had the glory in the end because He has a better way. He 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 created confusion throughout the army, and they fled. So you know what? It doesn't matter who is against us. God is for us. Nothing can be against us. So let's look at a couple of other examples. Peter was anything but stable. He was Mr. Impulsive (coughs) throughout the Gospels. But Jesus told him, you're a rock. He turned Peter into a rock of stability for the early church. David, an adulterer and a murderer, we know this one, was called a man after God's own heart. Abraham is called the father of faith. But he too had so little faith that he twice told his wife to lie in order to save his own life. So, Josh, let's see what Hebrews 11 says. Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies, women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection so good by faith right by faith the niv says whose weakness actually i think you read the niv didn't you um whose weakness was turned to strength right so god uses weak people to show his power god chose to put his glory in clay pots if you drop a clay pot and it says um in um, 2 Corinthians 4 7, we who have this spiritual treasure are like common clay pots in order to show that the supreme power belongs to God, not to us. If you drop a clay pot, it will break just like you and me. We're breakable spiritually, physically, and emotionally. But God chose to use us this history of the church is filled with, the history of the church is filled with examples of how God works through hurt and broken people. In fact, humanity is actually one of your greatest strengths. If you don't hide your weaknesses, they will force you to depend on God, no matter what. Do you notice that? That sometimes in the, in the hardest times, it's when we're the, the closest to Him because we just put everything in him. Sometimes when everything's going well and everything's fine, we tend to forget about him because it's just, you know, like everything's fine, everything's good. But then when we hit these really dark times, we turn to him. So God, he uses common clay containers. Hudson Taylor and um, a British missionary to China in the 19th century said, all God's giants have been weak people. You can see the truth of that statement throughout the Bible. You can see it in the lives of the great giants of good church history. God loves to use weak people to fulfill his will. 1 Corinthians 27 says, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. He receives the glory. So what is the weakness in your life? that you want to hide the most i think it's time to give it to god for his greater purpose right god can use and will use anyone who doesn't hold anything back from him just close your eyes with me for one moment god we just we see that we are frail and that we are human lord i know that you even understand because you brought yourself here through mary you you became one of us, Lord. You had the same challenges in your life. You had jealous friends. You had rivaling siblings. You had, you know, we had to work every day. You understand, Lord. You understand what we go through. But God, you of all people know how to rise above. So Lord, teach us Teach us to see above all our circumstances and rise above, enrich ourselves in the Word. Lord, not to focus on our weaknesses, but to see that, God, you can fill up that space. You can fill that space and you can use us. Lord, we just surrender ourselves to your perfect will right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. If there's anything that you can see from the Bible as you read it, I want you to see that God, he's not... He's not scared of anything. He's not scared of any challenge that you have in your life. He's not put off by anything that you go in your life. But I know that the enemy uses things that that we're struggling with to distract us and to put our focus off God and to put our focus off the fact that he has victory over all things, that it doesn't matter if our army is 32,000 or 300, God has our backs, that he has given us a spirit of fear and not intimidation, then that is the gospel message. As we go out, as we go out into our workplaces this week, as we go out into our schools, into our shopping centers, he has not given us a spirit of intimidation, but he has given us a spirit of love of peace of sound mind. this is who we are as Christians this is who we are this is not just a good way of life this is not just some good things to tack on to our life you know this is a new way of life and the only way that we can rise above it is if we enrich ourselves in the word if we get his truth on the inside of us so it comes out everywhere we go You don't have to be an evangelist to speak the gospel message of Jesus. You just have to have it seeping out of you everywhere you are. When the shopkeeper says to you, oh, I don't collect stickies either because I send them to my niece who's got leukemia and I'm trying to, you know, make her happier. And you're standing there and there's people, you know, we're praying for your niece. We're praying that she has a future and that it's bright. You know, don't be intimidated by the world around you. Don't be intimidated by being PC, you know. Don't be intimidated because what is the, and apparently it's not C.S. Lewis, it's it's A.W. Tozer, but um, when there's fear all around us, the church must be fearless, right? We need to rise up on the inside of ourselves. It's not a fakeness, it's... It's God rising up inside. The enemy wants to put us to sleep right now. He wants to make us powerless. He wants us to forget what we've got in our hands. He wants us to just be, oh, but everything's fine over at the beaches. You know, no one's there and we don't have any sickness around us and we're all just happy here. He wants us to just be numbed out right now because then we are powerless. But the church must be fearless. Christians must rise up and speak truth they must be people who can bring something of hope something of peace you know it's not good enough that we have it for ourselves we have to share it with the people in our community the people in our workplaces so church I want to encourage you and and that is why we're here right isn't that why we're here in church isn't that why we've ventured out of our homes today right haven't we ventured out to encourage one another in the Lord how not we ventured out to be the body of Christ? This is not a religious act. In fact, if this is a religious act to you, I encourage you, go home. Go and watch TV. You're going to get more out of that. This is a community where we encourage one another in the Lord. That is what the early church was. The early church that Jesus brought about, he reached out to the ones that we did not expect to be reached out to. He brought healing to people that, that was not even, you can't go near that woman when she's bleeding. You can't go to a bedridden woman. That's just not right, you know? But that is what Jesus' heart is. So we need to catch a bit of Jesus' heart on us, Right? And see and I can see people clicking, I can see you opening your eyes now. Because I know when we hear preachers, and I you know, my time is is just coming to an end now, but we can hear it and we can go, yes, yes, that's good. I've heard that before, I've heard that scripture before. We need to activate it in our spirits, and the only way to activate it in your spirit is to say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. And bring the spirit, so we've got the Bible, right? We've got the Bible, we've got his word, and then we have his spirit. And we need to marry those two together. We need to receive the word of God by his spirit, by his anointing, so that this makes sense to us and that we can activate it. So stand with me, church, stand with me. I want to read something out to you. And if if we knew it, I'd sing it. All right, just close your eyes. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations, and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in your coming and your going in your weeping and rejoicing he is with you he is with you amen amen this is a benediction for you just lift up your heads with me Jesus we thank you that your face would shine upon us Lord that Jesus for generations to come through through my mother through my Daughter, that you would shine your face, Lord, that it would go through the generations. I want you to think of every person in your family right now, every person in your community, in your neighborhood right now. And I want you just to spiritually just send it out. Lord, may your face shine upon us. May it go through a thousand generations, Lord God. Everywhere we go, may your light just come out of me, Lord Jesus. Let me be a vessel, Lord God. Let me be a vessel of your anointing, of your glory, of your hope, of your peace. Lord God, let me be a blessing. I just want you to reach it out. I just want you to just bless your family right now. We bless our family right now. Cover our families with your anointing, Lord God. May your blessing shine through us and through the next person, Lord God. Bless our community right now. Bless every neighbor in our street, Lord God. That everywhere we go, Lord God, your anointing, would go out that Jesus we would be like a lighthouse we would be a lighthouse of your peace of your hope Lord God your word is unfailing and you have the victory in the end Lord God you have the victory in the end and so we lift our eyes come on lift our eyes to you Jesus and we receive this blessing Lord we receive your blessing Jesus and we connect ourselves with you Lord We connect ourselves with you, Jesus, in your mighty name, amen. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your blessing. If you don't know Jesus in this place, if you feel like you need to be reconnected with your Saviour, we're going to read this prayer out together. And I've made a slide because I love speaking out the Word. I think when we activate it together and we speak it out, there's something powerful. So, If this is the first time you're praying this, then pray it with all your might. But if it's the 50th, 100th, millionth time, pray it with all your might. So let's speak this out together, come on. God, I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I ask for forgiveness. Would you make me clean? Would you restore and heal my heart? My past is washed away. I embrace my new life in you, Jesus. Open my eyes so I may see you. Open my ears that I may hear you. I receive your Holy Spirit to be the spirit of truth to guide me. I am loved and I have a hope in you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's just lift our voices. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. We lift you up in this place. Thank you, Lord God. We glorify you. We glorify you. This whole theme is about Jesus. This whole theme is about Jesus through the Gospels. So lift up your eyes with me. Come on, I I know I say it a lot, but it's, it's my thing. Lift up your eyes with me and let's see Jesus high and lifted up in this place. We lift you up, Jesus. We lift you up, Lord God. Come on. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Come on, lift up your eyes as the word goes in, as we meditate on you right now, Lord. We lift you up in this place. Oh, we glorify you, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Amen. As we go forth this week, I encourage you every day, lift up your hands. Lift up your hand to Jesus and declare that he is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. The media doesn't tell us what is what. Jesus tells us. Every single thing you're going through. Come on, lift up your hands if you need healing in this place. If you need healing, lift up your hands. Jesus, we declare healing in this place. Come on, we don't have to conjure it up. He's here. Jesus, we thank You for healing in this place. We thank You for Your supreme healing right now. That it would just trickle down upon us, Lord God. In Your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Can I encourage you as we go out this week to just carry this message with you? Carry this message that we have a hope in Jesus, that He will be high and lifted up. No matter what the enemy meant for evil, the Lord will turn it around to bring glory to Him. It does not matter, but we must lift our eyes. We must lift our eyes because we must find our strength in the Lord. As you lift your eyes and as you find your strength in the Lord, He will be with you. He will give you guidance. He will give you truth to speak to the, to the people that we find in our, in our communities. He will give us truth to speak. He will give us boldness. And He will give us keys to people's heart because His heart is about people. It's not about a building. It's not about a constitution. It's about people. His heart is for people. So, Lord, would you just open opportunities this week for us to speak and to bless people, to bless our friends, to bless our neighbours, Lord God. And don't, don't fluff over it either, you know, like, oh, the Lord will be with you. So, you know, be sincere, be empathetic. People are fearful. People are struggling. People may be sick that you know of. We need to be extending real, you know, real faith. We need to be extending real truth to people. Give them life. Give them hope. Give them peace. Not just a nice, I'll be praying for you. Give them something. Give them Jesus, right? Amen. All right. Thank you, Lord. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.